Welcome to the Slow Living Collective podcast. I'm Amy, wife, mother of two and homemaker. Come along with me as I share my love for simple living, growing in my allotment garden, diving into what it means to be an urban homesteader and embracing life as a mother and homemaker. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Slow Living Collective podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Today I have a really exciting episode and I say that every time but honestly I get to speak to some amazing people on this podcast and I always come away from my podcast recording session so buoyed up, so just like I just love it. I love recording this podcast and I just love being able to talk to some just incredible, incredible people. And today is no different. Today I'm talking to Elizabeth and we are delving into the difficult topic of breastfeeding, grief and trauma. Now, of course, I just want to preface this episode with a bit of a trigger warning. We are going to be talking about breastfeeding. We're going to be talking about breastfeeding trauma. We're going to be talking about the grief when breastfeeding doesn't work out the way you envisioned it. There is also mention in this episode of eating disorders so if any of these things are triggering to you please protect your mental health and maybe we'll catch you in the next episode so with that being said let's jump into today's episode so hi elizabeth welcome to the slow living collective podcast and thank you for joining me here today before we get into today's episode do you want to introduce yourself to everyone and let us know a little bit about who you are Sure. So my name is Elizabeth. I grew up in the United States, uh, in Pennsylvania, and I went, uh, you know, to school here up and through university. And when I went, um, uh, my third year in university, we had an opportunity to go study abroad. Um, And I chose to go to France because ever since I was a little girl and saw this very cheesy romantic comedy called French Kiss, I always dreamed about living in France. So I followed that nine-year-old dream of mine and I went to Paris and I studied there and I ended up meeting um, the person who's now my husband. And so I went back to university, finished my last year there, and then basically, um, you know, made our, we made our life uh, in France for, for quite a while. We had our son there in Paris. Um, and then moved around a little bit. Uh, we spent a year in, back in the United States. We moved to Switzerland just before COVID. Um, so we spent about two years there. And now we're settled back down in France. And I, I used to work in content marketing. And then when um, our daughter was born in Switzerland, um, I decided to stay home with them and to home educate. So that's that's what we're doing now in our in rural France. We're home educating, and my my husband is working, and um, yeah, we've gotten into a nice little groove there. Fantastic. So today we're going to be talking about breastfeeding and breastfeeding grief and trauma. And it's a difficult conversation, but I'm really excited to dive into it with you. I'm a mother of two and I've had, you know, two very different experiences, similar in some ways, but very different as well with breastfeeding. And when I opened up about my experience, particularly online, um, with my first child, I found that my experience maybe wasn't as unique as I thought it was. So starting right at the beginning, for me, I found breastfeeding education to be what I, I thought was fine at the time, but in hindsight, it didn't remotely cover what I was about to experience, particularly difficulties, you know, when to reach out for support. So when it 
came to breastfeeding, what were your thoughts about it before you had your first child? What were your expectations around breastfeeding and things like that? Yeah. So I had also like, I had, I knew that I knew that that breastfeeding was harder than I think a lot of, you know, narratives would like, you know, us to think. So I knew going in, you know, they say breastfeeding is natural. They say, you know, that it's easy, blah, 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 but that it's not. So I knew that there were mechanics to it. You know, I took a breastfeeding education course with a lactation consultant about latch. You know, I felt, I felt like I was prepared going into it, but I also felt armed, you know, with the fact that okay it takes time okay you know every woman can breastfeed like you can do it and I I really ate up this this narrative of like don't let anyone get in between you and your desire to breastfeed so I kind of went in very defensive and you know very you know sealed off from any you know, possibility that this, you know, was not going to work out, but that is, that's reflective of my personality. I I tend to just dive into things head first, being like, there's no way this is not working out. So I know your first experience with breastfeeding left you with some trauma. Would you share with us how that first experience played out? Yeah. So, so again, you know, I knew, I knew going into it that it would not be easy that I would have to work for it, that my baby and I were a partner and we had to work together. Um, And so, you know, I was at the hospital, you know, I had this amazing natural birth. I mean, that was the other thing that I was really, that was very important to me. I wanted to have an unmedicated at birth. I, you know, had my son, I just felt like a superhero. I was so, you know, pleased with how things went. I was so proud of myself. And then, you know, I was, you know, I, he was placed in my chest. I mean, I feel like those, you know, those are that early advice of, you know, how to manage breastfeeding, you know, lots of skin to skin, all of, all of that protocol was, you know, followed, um, and then, you know, I was still at the, I was at the hospital. I didn't, I didn't do a home birth. I was at the hospital and my milk didn't come in and my milk still didn't come in. And, you know, my son was, was obviously, you know, not a very happy baby, um, you know, very traumatic at the hospital, received very little, very little support there. Um, and what, by the time we checked out, you know, he had lost sort of the, the sort of acceptable 10% of his birth weight. He was a small baby at birth. <laughs> um, he was in, but he was like in the 99th percentile for height. So he was like a very, like when you looked at him, you're like, wow, this kid, this kid is skinny. Uh, not that he was, you know, uh, not that his weight in and of itself was that low, but you know, you just kind of looked at him, you're like, wow, you know, you're, you're a string bean. So we checked out of the hospital and the first, you know, thing that I did was call the lactation consultant with whom I had done this breastfeeding education course. And she came over she took one look at my son. She took took a look uh, a look at his chart and was like, "I have no idea why they let you out of the hospital without giving you formula." This is from a lactation consultant, Amy. Like yeah. this, this you know, I was I thought that lactation consultants were supposed to be your number one champion. And this woman who like looked at my son was like, he's dehydrated. He does not have, you know, he is not getting enough. You need to get him on formula right away. 
this is her first reaction. And, you know, my gut was like, well, who the, you know, who the bleep do you think you are? You don't even know me. Um, You're not doing your job. That was my, that was my reaction to her. So I said, okay, I understand not all consultants are created equal. Not everyone approaches their, you know, profession the same way. This person obviously, you know, should, should get a different job if she, <laughs> if she's not in the business of supporting breastfeeding, you know, parents, then she should not do this job. So I just completely ignored her and basically said, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I said, basically, what a bitch. And I just scoffed at her at her recommendations and you know persisted so basically to sum up I spent two months um basically living in fear of the next like weight check-in and pediatrician's appointment because every time everyone around me was saying your son is not gaining enough weight. He was gaining, he was not losing weight, but he is not gaining enough weight. Um, You really need to start thinking about supplementing. But I said, basically I was, I was living under the notion of the second that you let formula touch a child's lips, breastfeeding is over because that was the rhetoric that I was hearing. And I was just, you know, in between, I was feeding around the clock and I was pumping and I was basically just living as this prisoner to breastfeeding um, and spending every waking moment and hour, any free time that I had researching low supply. And what I was getting was this idea that there is no such thing as low supply. Like breast size does not matter. You know, low supply is a myth, blah, blah, blah. I've just heard uh, the only thing that I was reading online in these communities um, was basically your experience is not valid. You, your body is a lemon. You are, you know, you're a screw up because this does not exist. And so I was, that was where the trauma was, is that I didn't find anything that you know was saying look you know there are some women that do not produce enough milk um, especially with a first child I didn't get that anywhere so I said wow I'm a complete failure my body is you know just absolutely not working the way that nature has intended me to so it just really caused a lot of self-hatred and a lot of guilt so um, so yeah, and I think that what is tough about those early months and why there's this heavy focus on how mothers choose to feed their babies is it's like really the first measure of like, what is a good mother? You know, like you can't really like tell, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're a mother, you're, your baby's supposed to be growing. That's the only thing we expect of babies at that age, that they grow, that they get bigger. And so, you know, it was like, okay, well, I'm a terrible mother. My, my child, like, I don't think that there's any more visceral of a, of an emotion than like, my child is not thriving and it's because of me. Yeah. And I, and just basically my my biggest regret, I don't regret any ounce of formula that my son got. I mean, to at the time, like I was like calculating, I was like, okay, well, you know, like how many ounces of breast milk did he get today versus how many ounces of formula? Like I it was determined to at least like come in first. Yeah. But 
that's honestly the only regret that I have is that like I didn't I I spent so long refusing to just like give him the nourishment that he needed like he just needed formula in the beginning like he really did he was hungry um and I it's like there's I don't know there's nothing more terrible than feeling like okay well yeah I let my child go not starving but I let my child go hungry for so long because I was so trapped in this like black and white thinking um so yeah that was you know it's a it's a huge it's a huge burden to carry and like when you're a first-time mother you don't have that perspective of like you know who the hell cares, you know, how many ounces of whatever your child is drinking, like, you just need your child to, you know, be healthy and getting the nourishment that they need. Um, But at the time, it was like, it was a huge, huge deal for me. And, you know, I think that, so I, you know, so my 20s, I had an eating disorder. And I think that I was, I, the other thing, like, when I was preparing, like, during pregnancy, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, be prepared, like for eating disorder survivors, like pregnancy is really hard because your body changes and whatever. And like, I found like that was not an issue for me. That was not triggering at all. But then like you get to breastfeeding and it's like, you, yeah, it's like everything is about weight and everything is about weighing and everything is about calculating the number of ounces and calories that your child is consuming. And it was terrible for me. Like that was the hardest part was just that like, falling back into this ED mindset of like, okay, output, like, you know, when I was pumping, you know, it, it was like a, the amount of ounces that I pumped in a day would, de- would basically determine my self-worth and how much I loved myself that day. So that was like, that was the trauma. I think that like, yeah, it's, I think that my trauma is very, you know, sort of, um, related to my personal, you know, history. Um, but I think that it all stems from this idea that in the breastfeeding community, like if you don't exclusively breastfeed, like you don't, and, and, and you can't produce enough, like you, you virtually don't exist. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, um, as you were talking, I was, you know, I was thinking back to, you know, what you said about how, you know, there's no such thing as low supply and I had read the same thing online as well and you know in you know like in the middle of the night when you know you're trying to feed a baby and you know you're researching it on the internet and I remember so with my first um my daughter you know my birth was was a traumatic I wouldn't explain it as a traumatic birth like I don't hold any trauma from it but in terms of you know how it played out it was quite traumatic and you know I didn't have you know much skin to skin I didn't have um you know we didn't initiate breastfeeding probably quick enough maybe but you know a lot of the what happens to me was because of that um, probably because of my birth, I had a postpartum hemorrhage. I was mm. just, I was just really poorly after I had her, and just wasn't feeling that good. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, when I almost didn't have the energy mm. to, to be feeding all the time, and you know, it, it's just, it was just like this constant pull because I wanted it so badly ironically I didn't know I wanted it so badly until I started doing it you know when I was pregnant I was like oh well if I can breastfeed it'll be fine but if I can't then you know I'll just use formula and I wish I could have had that mindset 
when I was in the thick of it yeah because like you you know I did everything you know pumping and and my output you know you know when you first start pumping and you get like not maybe not even an hour yeah and it's so demoralizing because you're like I am working so hard I've been stuck to this pump for half an hour and I don't even have an ounce of milk well like I don't know about you but I am very much of the like personality type it's like I don't get it. I'm doing everything right. And I'm not getting the outcome. Like I just, you know, I'm someone who likes to play by the rules and I get very frustrated when things don't go my way. And that was really hard for me during breastfeeding, because like you said, I was on Google, you know, researching literally the house could have been on fire and I wouldn't, I would have been stuck to my phone researching boost milk supply. Um, and I was doing everything and I was buying all the things and I was following all the random YouTuber advice. And I was like, if I'm doing all of the things, it must be me. The problem is me. Uh, and that, you know, that was just too hard for me to swallow. Cause I, cause yeah, I mean, yeah, you're just, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible to feel like you are the problem and you are alone in having this problem. Yeah. And especially when, you know, you're reading things that say there's no such thing as low supply and you're like, well, then it must be a me thing then. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's not the case that, you know, there are, you know, some people that just cannot produce milk or can't cannot produce milk to the extent that maybe is needed and it's ironic to me because um I really struggled to have any kind of um milk production with my daughter and I overproduced mm. in my pregnancy and the amount of times like I had bottles of it like I had to pump um I went through exactly the same thing losing weight with this was with both of them they lost loads of weight. They, you know, everybody was starting to get a little bit fidgety about with we, yeah. they're losing a bit too much weight now. And it, it went in exactly the same cycle the second time round. And it was only I I went to a lactation consultant who was a saviour. Um, but you know, I know it's not the case for for everyone. And you're not the first person that I've heard say that their lactation consultant wasn't the saviour that they needed and the support that they needed. But, you know, I, you know, I went to, with the second one, I went to a lactation consultant and, you know, we were very, very quickly were able to sort of um, get his weight up. Mm. He had prolonged jaundice as well. So everyone was very fussy about that. And, you know, it ultimately, you know, I had absolutely bottles and bottles and bottles of breast milk that, but it, it was almost to the point where, I would look at it and think, why this time? Why now? Like, I've got more than I need. I could feed two babies with this. Why mm-hmm. can't I have, have had some of this last time? And so I think it's just a bit of a testament to however you go on to feed future children, should you have them, it, it doesn't negate the first experience. It doesn't It doesn't go away. No, um, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And- and going into so when my so we had my second um, so when we had my our daughter, you know I really the the, the main takeaway from what from our, our experience with our son is if there are any issues in the beginning just feed her 
And that's like, that was my mantra going in, just feed her no matter whatever she needs, just feed her. And, you know, and I was prepared and, you know, I had done all the research. I was working with a different lactation consultant, someone, you know, um, I actually found on Instagram, it's uh, <laughs> like was following her for a long time and like really, you know, and I had, and I had met with her during pregnancy and really connected with her. And, um, and so, yeah, so, so I felt prepared to be disappointed. I just went in being like, okay, you know, yes, the, the, you know, you produce your, your body, you know, creates more milk glands for the second baby, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you can do that. You can be EBF. Um, but you know, so let's just see what happens, but no matter what you do, just feed her. Um, and so we went through the same thing, you know, she lost the weight and, and, and this trusted lactation consultant pretty much had the same advice as the first one that I met, except that I was willing to sort of, yeah, hear it the second time around. Yeah. And I started uh, combo feeding and I would, um, you know, give her a little formula and give her and nurse and pump and basically do what I did the, the first time around. And because I was giving her formula, she really had the strength and the, you know, stamina to get my production up. And I was able to, for a while, be EBF. Um, and, and that for me was, was very, was very healing. Now, once I went back to work, you know, it got, you know, ran into all the classic problems with daycare and, you know, them claiming that I didn't have enough, you know, breast milk, whatever to last the whole day. But by that point I had just accepted that, you know, my, my children need, need both my, you know, I'm not this overproducer. I'm never going to have, you know, bottles and bottles and bottles, but you know, there are other ways for me to to be a good mother and I am a good mother just because you know I'm not yeah exactly overflowing with milk is no reflection of my of me as a mother absolutely um, absolutely I would say that the one thing, so this lactation consultant it actually wasn't my lactation consultant it was my midwife in Switzerland and in Switzerland funnily enough I feel like this doesn't really go along with their stereotype are very into like homeopathic solutions right and alternative medicine okay um and she suggested she said have you ever thought about acupuncture for breastfeeding and I said no I never thought about it and you know who you know who would have thought but actually Amy that was the thing that kept my supply up was I had uh, once every two or three weeks I would have an acupuncture session and it, it really boosted my supply and I was reading up on it and basically there's this idea in you know Chinese medicine that sort of like all of the period blood that gets stored during pregnancy and then after you know after pregnancy while you're breastfeeding you're, you're not menstruating that all of that blood is then turned into your milk oh, wow. and so the acupuncture basically was about it was um aimed at getting my blood flow up. And that's what really helped actually, you know, boost, not, you know, again, not to a place where I could, you know, exclusively breastfeed, but I think it made a huge difference between, you know, in terms of my mental health. So acupuncture would be my suggestion. If you are, you know, it's not cheap either. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, but I know that I spent a lot of, you know, time and money researching these supplements um, that, that didn't work for me um but but acupuncture did as so that was that was a win for, for with our daughter that's really really interesting 
and it's yeah it's just you know there's so much uh, there's so much noise around breastfeeding and I find you know when you're when you're in the thick of it and it's not not working for you um the way you want it to you know it's it's very easy isn't it to be like I'll try this I'll try this I'll try this Mm -hmm. I remember my midwife um recommended try and like I think it was fenugreek capsule they tasted bad (laughs) they tasted really bad I'm not sure they worked either but it's yeah it's just you know my experience with my first um ended at six weeks and I just going back to what you said earlier about um you know like equating formula to ending breastfeeding Mm. and it's funny because I had that feeling with my first and because my first I think I think probably what happened because she was very very hungry you know my milk just wasn't there um I you know I was unwell like I said as well and I I was in this like real like push-pull situation where we we had got formula ahead of time because you know I was very Mm like relaxed about whether I was going to breastfeed or not so we had formula on hand and I remember being like we've we've got to do something we've I've got to feed her I've got to do something I remember um I remember holding her in front of me and I could smell on her breath like um almost like an an alcohol kind of smell and Mm. I knew that that was like like ketones right I knew that I knew that was that she was hung really really hungry and so I called my um like like the midwife like the midwife unit you could call like you know you could I think a couple of weeks after you've given birth you can still be in contact with them and was like you know I'm feeding her what can I do I can smell this smell on her and they were like I don't know what that is I'm like I do I know and so I said to my husband just get the formula like we've I've got to do something we've got to we've got to get something into her and like you know she guzzled that that bottle down I remember feeling like overjoyed my baby's eating I'm so Mm. overjoyed but at the same time like heartbroken like that's not my milk Mm. and I really struggled with that and it's something that I think I held a lot of held on to with a lot of like my breastfeeding trauma for a while that feeling of like I am so grateful for formula. I will never knock formula. Mm. I love it because, you know, it it saves so many babies' lives. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I hated it. I hated it with a passion. Every bottle, I was like, like it's not my milk. <laughs> and I found that difficult. And, you know, I can laugh about it now, like, but... Yeah, it's almost laughable to be jealous of a powder. I mean, yeah. but, but it's real. I mean, you are jealous and you, you know, you are resentful of this box of food. I mean, a box of food. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like I am a, I am a, like, um, a radical breastfeeding radicalist convert. Like I would never, ever say a bad thing about formula again, because, because low supply is real and because yeah. X, Y, or Z, I mean, there are I think for a number of reasons why, you know, even as a breastfeeding parent, you need formula and formula is not the enemy and formula can be an ally. Like I said, you know, with our daughter, I think that I did have that nice little grace period of just 
was breastfeeding her because she was strong enough to to get my production where I needed to be whereas my son was not you know he was just really kind of you know at a very very low baseline all the time um so yeah I nothing bad to say about formula whatsoever yeah same and it's funny because second time around with my son um you know like I said same same sort of things happened everybody's starting to get a bit fidgety about his weight and they were like we're gonna have to do top-up feeds and I was like oh. yeah and so we did I I remember because I said to my husband before we um we had him I'm breastfeeding I am not getting a pump because I wasted all that money on that first pump yeah. and I sold it. I'm not getting a pump, I'm not getting a pump. Um, and then they were like, we're going to have to do a top up feed. And she said, do you have any formula? And we did. And I was like, right, I'm ordering a breast pump. And I the, the breast pump came, I think it was like on Amazon. It was like, it came by like 10, 10 o'clock that night. I was like, sterilize it. Let's get going. And, you know, more through luck than anything, I had a better supply. Probably I didn't have a traumatic birth, a wonderful birth second time mm-hmm. around. Um, and maybe that, maybe that helped. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Maybe it did. It was, you know, it was very different. It's the only thing I can pin between the two that was very different. And your body, I mean, it does, I mean, that is true. Like your body does make more milk glands with every successive pregnancy. So I would joke that like, oh, I just need to have 15 babies and I'll, I'll be <laughs> fine. I'll be able to make enough milk. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I did give him formula that first day and then I was able to top up feed him breast milk after that until we were with with my lactation consultant we then you know eventually weaned him off the top ups and you know he was gaining healthy weight after that and everybody was happy and we went on and you know we're about to celebrate two years of breastfeeding and it, it comes like every milestone I, I I sometimes when I talk about it on Instagram you know like I say things like you know if you walked in on me now you would think that oh this girl can breastfeed let's move on yeah. and it's like uh, it's still like the milestone of two years is incredible to me from where I came from uh, I can't even um, me of four years ago would never have been able to imagine it um but it still is still always tinged with a little bit of sadness like yes two years of of breastfeeding my son is incredible but I couldn't do that to my daughter and so you know that the cycle is still there you know I feel so much better about breastfeeding and you know I think I worked through a lot of it um but you know I think you still get like these little tinges of sadness here and there Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, so I breastfed my, so I, you know, I breastfed my son until, so I got pregnant with our daughter when he was 18 months and then he self weaned at 21 months. But I, you know, I was like ready to tandem feed. I was even thinking, this is great. If I have a two-year-old breastfeeding at the same time as my newborn, like he's really going to help my supply. So I was, I was heartbroken that he self weaned at 21 months. And now my daughter is she's two and a half so she's yeah um and she's still you know she's still nursing I wouldn't say she's breastfeeding anymore I'm not sure how much I'm actually producing but she's still nursing for sure and sort of my tinge of regret is more you know just more it stems more from perfectionism that like even though and it was worse with my son 
I basically had convinced myself if I'm not exclusively breastfeeding, I'm not breastfeeding. Like if you would have asked me when I was, you know, when whatever, when my son was little, I would say, no, I don't, I don't breastfeed. And it was ridiculous because I was probably breastfeeding more than anyone on the freaking planet. Yeah. <laughs> he was, you know, he was, I was always putting him at the breast. And, you know, that was, that was, yeah, it's still hard for me to, like, I, and I don't know. There's a part of me in my mind that said, like, no, you didn't really do this. And, you know, and that's obviously inner work that I need to do. I know that I breastfed my both, both of my children, but there is this like perfectionist part of me. And that is, egged on by this rhetoric, this kind of like toxic positivity and this like really radical thinking of like a radical like militantism for, for exclusive breastfeeding yeah. that really makes people who don't exclusively breastfeed feel like they didn't because yeah. they're not doing it right. And they're, you know, and, and they're just invisible from the whole conversation, either you breastfeed or you formula feed, like there's, where's the voice of the, you know, parents doing both, it's just not there. And so because I was not exclusively breastfeeding, I didn't breastfeed, um, which is, you know, on the surface ridiculous, but part of me still carries a bit of that being like, oh, well, I did, I breastfed, but I didn't really breastfeed. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to some extent as well, it's like, I fed my my son formula for a day does does that mean (laughs) does does that negate the whole other two years that I've done it and you know sometimes I think like well I did give him a bit of formula and you know like it's but it like you say it comes from this sort of narrative around breastfeeding that it's like it's all or nothing you either sacrificed yourself to breastfeeding or you didn't and yeah it, I just find it you know a, a, a conversation that you know it's just so unhelpful as well to new mothers coming into breastfeeding because we just see these cycles continue as well don't we yeah and I was gonna say I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna bad mouth a Facebook group in particular um because I mean well I mean, I'm not going to badmouth it, but I know that, you know, there, I maybe won't name it by name, but there, you know, social media does, does not help any of this. And, and, and it's very natural as a new mother to, you know, sort of immediately hop on social media and look for advice and guidance because I, a lot of us, like I know myself, I didn't have a huge support system living abroad. I mean, I think a lot of us, have sort of lost lost this notion of you know our village and so we've, we've transferred it online but with a lot less of the care and consideration that I think actual people can provide you um but yeah and so I was on these Facebook groups and you know it was like there would be women bragging about oh you know like whatever 18 months of breastfeeding not a single drop of formula like bragging in that and and, and I know that they were proud and I was happy for them mainly jealous but happy and I understand it but like and then you know these these groups that that basically edge you you know egg you on it's like no like you know dig your claws in even deeper you know like resist that formula or you know have you checked for tongue ties I mean I'm not even going to get into that but like I was convinced that tongue ties had like ruined my breastfeeding that I, that all along my, my son had had a tie and like, I didn't recognize it. And, you know, I had almost even decided before my daughter was born, it's like, oh, get that, you know, gotta get that tie out. 
And then when my daughter was here and we were having sort of, and I was, you know, not, you know, producing as much as I should. And I called an office in, in Lausanne in, in, in Switzerland. And they were like explaining the procedure to me. And I was just like, I, if this isn't actually the problem, like I'm not going to like mutilate my daughter. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's very easy to like want to find this boogeyman. So after hearing more details about the, about the procedure and the recovery process, I said, look, you know, as much as I would love a miracle solution to my problem, if for any reason that has nothing to do with my milk supply, I'm just not willing to put my daughter through this. And I think that there are tongue ties that are real, but so like, I didn't, you know, besides the fact that I had low supply, like there were, there was no other indication that I, that, you know, that my daughter or my son were tied. It's like, you know, yes, they have a frenulum, but like the, you know, I didn't have any pain. Like I didn't, like my nipples weren't a weird shape after, but it was like, yeah, I kind of had to talk myself back, you know, off of that cliff of like, oh yeah, like let's not jump into a very painful, you know, involved medical procedure just because I want my milk, just because I don't want my daughter to have an ounce of formula, Yeah, you know, and my husband was really against it. And, you know, it was, I'm really glad that like, and my lactation consultant was also like, yeah, like it's probably not a tie, but I think that you're just so desperate for these like miracle solutions, whether or not it's a, you know, tie snipping procedure or like taking Moringa or drinking, you know, 64 ounces of water a day. You're just really, you really want to find those quick wins. And sometimes there aren't. Yeah. So my, my son, uh, did have a tongue tie we didn't get it snipped he had a mild posterior tongue tie and um, yeah when I saw my lactation consultant she diagnosed it straight away and she said it's actually not something that we have to do anything about she said you mm. can if you want um, but I so I was having a lot of pain had a lot of pain had like a lipstick shaped nipple yeah. and um, yeah just lots of like chafing and bleeding and you know, just very, very uncomfortable, almost to the point where you're like, I cannot bear to feed a second longer. Uh, but you know, you've got to do it like you didn't have the choice. Um, but so with a few sort of simple adjustments hmm. uh, to the way I was feeding, completely solved it and I never had a problem again. So I was really pleased that I didn't dive into having it snipped. Now, it was just mild, obviously, and there are obviously tongue ties that are worse and do need assistance. Yeah, treatment. Absolutely. But I was like, I was just astounded by like how quickly that advice was being doled out on social media like it's just insane you're like are you getting a commission or something (laughs) are you you in bed with these you know dentists and whoever these surgeons that are snipping these babies I just think that like when there are no other symptoms present and you're just trying to like fix low supply it just was not you know, for us, it didn't, you know, yeah, it was not the the path that we wanted to go down. Um, So yeah, I just had a lot of, I had a lot of resentment towards that, towards that advice and all, you know, yeah, social media in general. Yeah, I've, you know, I found social media difficult. And it's, um, you mentioned earlier as well about, you know, when you see other people breastfeeding on social media at the time, like the feeling of like jealousy and stuff. And I was like, I was like nodding along because, 
Yeah, I remember, you know, when it's like breastfeeding awareness week, I was bear to be here. Oh. And it's it's funny because it still gets me sometimes. Oh yeah. And it's like I in my head I'm like, I think what well, you know, you, you've been breastfeeding for two years, Amy. Like but <laughs> but it's the trauma doesn't go away, you know. And it's I still find breastfeeding awareness week a tricky one. Mm. And I think I find it tricky because I guess to some extent I could say I've seen both sides of the coin, right? I can I can say that um, you know, if I do like polar opposite experiences. And but it is difficult and it's it's hard to explain, I think, to 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 people who maybe have just been able to breastfeed with with no issue mm. that how difficult it is to see people breastfeeding and even just celebrating breastfeeding it's like a knife to the heart Um, and I'm now as somebody who does breastfeed I'm so like conflicted like I'm you know I'm I'm pleased that I've just got to two years but also like I know by me sharing that someone out there is feeling like oh and so it's a it's it's such a tricky position um but yeah I I completely it's you know it's a fine line and like I don't want people to walk away from this conversation and be like oh these two ladies like don't like breastfeeding anymore and yeah. don't want to talk about it no absolutely I mean I I think that it's wonderful and I you know I've had many moments of connection you know for all the trauma that's being talked about here like there have been lovely moments and like it's been it's been a, a lifesaver you know for for me you know I know that getting them to sleep and you know like it just it's it's been lovely I feel like my life has been made a lot easier by breastfeeding in a lot of ways it's made it difficult as well but I mean there I guess I just wish from you know lactation consultants and these social media groups and breastfeeding awareness week all this stuff I just feel like it yeah it can be it can veer into toxic positivity a little bit too fast. And there's a fine line between encouraging and just like falling into this black and white thinking that I fell, you know, victim to. Um, I just think that I wish like you that I had gone into it a little bit more low stakes, like, okay, if breastfeeding works out, then that's fine. You know, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I just feel like breastfeeding gets put on this pedestal and formula gets demonized and it's just not healthy for anyone. I think what I would wish for any parent, you know, who wishes to breastfeed, like if you can find it in yourself to, to really go in it with a neutral mindset, because it truly is neutral. It is not, you know, like I know, um, who is that? Uh, Casey Davis, struggle care talks about, you know, messiness is being, or like whatever cleaning is a morally neutral act. Like feeding your child is morally neutral. Um, so if you can go into, you know, feeding your newborn with a neutral mindset, that's like the biggest hope that I could give to anyone. Um, because it really is just about feeding your child and it is not a reflection of morality or, you know, your abilities to parent. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you said that you, you know, in this conversation that a lot of the trauma that you have stems from the pro breastfeeding community. Um, so in relation to your like first experience where you experienced that, how did all of these views and and products, you know, like 
lactation cookies and and supplements and stuff how did that really affect you when you were in the thick of it in terms of you know you know uh, all these things that you could potentially buy to increase your supply yeah I mean I think that like the one of the things that has like become crystal clear to me as a mother even you know yeah much more so than before is like all of these industries that crop up that are just there to profit from insecure women's insecurities right and so and I and obviously like that that is capitalism like that's colonialism that existed prior to me you know my breastfeeding journey but for me personally that's kind of how it all crystallized in my mind and and I just became I just became really resentful because those products sort of keep you in that mental prison of like oh like I can buy my way out of this Uh um just you know like you can you know just like all the other narratives capitalistic narratives that say you can buy yourself buy buy your way to sustainability buy your way to this buy your way to that and so you know I, I just think that capitalism plus this like extremely vulnerable time this extremely visceral time when you're just trying to feed your child just felt like uh, you know uh, a real kick to the stomach um and I just got really resentful because a you know you're you're not tricked I mean they don't have to prove anything I mean the whole well, the wellness industry and you know at large doesn't really have to prove anything right any of their claims <laughs> um that's a whole other topic but um, they they don't have to claim you know they don't have to prove anything so you're selling these un you know unproven you're you're hawking unproven promises to vulnerable women and then you know make it and then just you know a keeping them in this false you know giving them false optimism that they can find a quick solution and b you know when it doesn't work out and for some women it does i mean i think that i'm not i don't want to negate any women's or you know any you know lactating parents experience that they did take moringa pills and it helped or they did you know i said i used acupuncture and it did work it might not work for another parent um so i'm not negating that but i I just think that yeah it's just um yeah it's just another way that 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 these industries really just are there to make a profit of you feeling bad about yourself at three in the morning and you're trying your child is screaming because they're hungry absolutely i mean I have purchased many a thing from Amazon (laughs) on a night feed. And then when it arrives the next day, I'm like, oh, I don't even remember ordering that. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, so you're you're so right. You know, there are all these things that that you know they can profit off of. I mean, even now, if I I I recently bought um, something that had oats in it, and I was like, oh, this will make like give me loads of milk, (laughs) and I'm like does it or or do I just did I just get that from somewhere like I've never noticed having oats actually gives me more milk and you know I'm at a point now where like you said earlier I don't really know how much milk I'm sort of producing but um yeah so you know there's there's all these different things and like you say it might work for some and you know not for others and it's you know who knows and it's tricky I mean it's tricky because you know I'm not I'm yeah you want to try anything if it works for someone it's worth a shot obviously there's nothing bad in that I'm also don't want to shame people who are trying these things I tried them all absolutely but um but yeah it's just you know 
obviously they're not going to market their, their marketing line isn't going to be, well, may work, may not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that, um, I think that within the breastfeeding community, like, uh, yeah, I just feel like there were a little, there was a little bit more realism about like, there is no, there are no quick wins. Like you need to do your best that you can. You need to obviously trust yourself and, and, uh, you know, be determined if you, if you are determined to breastfeed. Um, but there comes a point where, you know, you, I, I just wish that people would say, yeah, like you may not be able to produce enough and that's okay. Yeah. Um, I just, I, yeah, I just wish that there was more of that narrative that like, yeah, you know, that combination feeding exists and it's, and it's valid and, and, and should be celebrated. I just feel like, again, like in, in these breastfeeding awareness, it's like there, maybe it's my assumption, but I just feel like it's exclusive breastfeeding that it's being celebrated and nothing else. So I wish that all forms of like nursing and breastfeeding, you know, were, were held up during these, you know, campaign weeks. Yeah, and also, you know, like, people who are exclusively pumping, like, you don't don't hear sort of, you know, anything, you know, there's no week for exclusive that I know of, that, you know, there's no week for exclusively pumping, and, you know, the focus does lie heavily, I feel as well, you know, on exclusively breastfeeding, and, yeah, it's just... It's difficult, you know, because breastfeeding, I think like you said, you know, it's it's held up on such a pedestal. And then when it when it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you know, you end up feeling like, well, you know, why? Why? Why can't I do Yeah. You know, it's supposedly the most natural thing in the world. Why can't I do the most natural thing in the world? What's wrong with me? And you know, something I've I've realised, you know, is breastfeeding grief and trauma in all its formats, you know, n- n- everybody's experience is different, you know, it's just so, so common, um, but also really underrepresented in our society, because I mean, we have here in the UK, they, they don't do it now, but they, they used to commission this sort of like infant feeding report. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it said something like, at birth something like 70 percent of women initiate breastfeeding and Mm -hmm. by six weeks something like only 20 percent or 30 percent are still breastfeeding and it's like why do you why why can't you help (laughs) why is there no support why where does it fall down because I mean with my with my son I in hospital I asked anybody that passed my bed is he latched properly? Is he latched properly? Oh, yeah. I didn't even care if they were a health worker. I'm like, excuse me. Whoever <laughs> you are. Or the, yeah. yeah, can you just check? Is he latched properly? And they were like, yeah, 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 he's fine. Like, he wasn't fine. He wasn't latched properly. Um, And so, you know, there's this, I don't know if this is sort of like, the maybe not the world over, but, you know, certainly in the, the Western world over, you know we have like really low breastfeeding rates and mm. you know we hear about it you know here in the UK we hear about the low breastfeeding rates all the time and it's like yeah but you don't help us there are some of us that really 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 want to do it <laughs> and you know I had to pay for a lactation consultant um you know our, our healthcare is free but I had to pay and I 
refuse to let it be that to be able to quote unquote successfully breastfeed yeah. you have to pay for it like, yeah that's the other along with along with there's no such thing as low supply the the one thing that I never ever ever want to hear you know ever again is breastfeeding is free it is not free it is not no. <laughs> if you absolutely like you said you know besides paying for a lactation consultant you know sessions and breast pumps and all of their replacement you know all the little replacement parts and then you know all of the whatever if you buy the supplements if you you know buy things if you have time to take time off of of work. I mean, I don't know what the maternity leave is, you know, in the UK In in Europe, it's a little bit better than the U S I mean, my mom went back to work at six weeks. She yeah. was a doctor. She yeah. exclusively breastfed my, my brother for six weeks and that's it. And then she, com- and then she did combo feeding because she, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't keep up with the pumping schedule. So she just nursed my brother when she was around and like, you know, she didn't go into whether or not that caused her any trauma, but like, that's just the reality is that women go back to work really early in the United States. And, you know, I know how hard I work to combo feed. And I know that, you know, there are, I I would say I persisted quite stupidly at some at some times because my mental health was just completely shot. I should have just, you know, it, it really is hard to know. Okay, when do I give up because this 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 persistence is causing me as much pain as it is pleasure. Yeah. Anyway, so I mean, if there if you don't have access to a long maternity leave to really you know get breastfeeding on on the right rails or whatever, yeah, I mean it's not it's not a surprise. And what's ironic is that in France, no one breastfeeds and they have like the longest. I mean, so I had a four month maternity leave and then I had, and then you can take what they call like a parent leave, uh, un congé parental. And it's a one year where they guarantee your, they guarantee your job for a whole year. You're not paid, but like they just, you know, you can just walk right back in a year later. And so, you know, if you are a breastfeeding parent, that's great. You basically have, you know, 16 months at home with your baby and then, yeah, but, but, but none of them do um, because I, I think there's a lot of cultural reasons why not. But anyway, if you don't have these systems in place, of course, breastfeeding is going to be too difficult. Yeah. I mean, here we have um, nine months of paid maternity leave and then we can take three months. So, so a, a year total, but the last, three year months, total, yeah. yeah, the last That's three months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you know, it's it is a good a good amount of time. Um, lots of people, lots of people will take their full year, but also lots of people financially have to go back at the nine months. They can't afford to take those final three, um, yeah. paid as well. So, like you say, you know, you need to have those those right things in place. And I remember something people used to say to me, like when I was struggling with my first. It's like, oh, it gets easier like after the first twelve weeks, and I'm like, twelve weeks. That's three months. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Everyone was saying like, you know, it takes a full eight weeks to get breastfeeding, you know, sort of like set up. And that was the other thing is that like, I'm not saying that the people around me had ill will or were, you know, um, you know, whatever, trying to sabotage my son's health, but like, you know, from a good place, they were like, yeah, you know, breastfeeding takes time. Like you will get there, you will get there. Um, but just, you know, I just wish that in the, 
you will get there journey. I just wish that they, someone would say like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop breastfeeding if you give him some formula. I think that was just what I really needed to hear is that like, you know, you, you can, you can combination feed it. Like, yes, it will take time. No, your son will not, you know, have nipple confusion. Um, I just really needed to hear more of that. I just, yeah. I was just thinking about like how, you know, th this, what do you say? Like, you know, you reach, reach for the moon and, you know, the worst comes to worst, you land among the stars, but it's yeah. like, if the breastfeeding is the moon, if this is on the pedestal, you're made to feel like if you don't land there, you know, you're, you're landing, you know, in the, in the gutter, you know, the, if you, if you are in the, these, you know, this breastfeeding pro breastfeeding community and mindset, you're just made to, you know, feel like, oh God, if you don't, if you don't do this right, you're left with a terrible option which is completely untrue. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, this, I think it's the, like the narrative around exclusively breastfeeding just makes it almost impossible to succeed because a lot of people do have issues, you know, and actually once you start sort of unpicking it or, or you know, sharing with other people, they're like, oh God, yeah, I actually, <laughs> my beginning of my breastfeeding journey was a nightmare yeah. as well. And it's like, I was talking to a friend of mine and who, who breastfed for over a year and we were just discussing breastfeeding a long time ago now. And then she was like, oh, you know, like the, the whole year was a nightmare. And I'm like, oh, I thought you were having a good time. And, you know, it's just like, you know, at, at the time we we had babies, uh, you know, pretty much at the same time. And, you know, at the time I was consumed with my own, you know, yeah. breastfeeding trauma. And, you know, then you come to find out, you know, the, the more you speak to people, the more you find out that, you know, actually lots of people are sitting with trauma from, from feeding in, in some capacity. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I never went, obviously never went straight to formula. Um, but, you know, sometimes people who went straight to the formula, like straight to feeding with formula, almost feel like they need to justify themselves as well. And it's like the whole infant feeding is just a mess because, yeah. you know, nobody should have to justify no. onto why they did what and for what reason, you know. And yeah, I, I think, I just think the whole thing is just. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I had friends, like, especially French friends, like I said, it's, you know, breastfeeding is not sort of as popular or as, or as high up on a pedestal there as it is maybe in more, you know, Anglo uh, countries. But anyway, like I had, I felt myself jealous as well of my formula feeding friends because they just didn't, they, you know, their whole mind wasn't consumed by, you know, this whole feeding question 24 seven. I was just like, oh my God, like, you know, obviously like there were other stresses of motherhood that were keeping them up at night, but I was just like, it's so, must be so nice to just like, when your baby is hungry, like you feed them. Like it wasn't fraught, like it was with me. And I just was like, ah, like, wow, like who I, you know, I was like, I, who's the dummy here? Like, um, you know, why, you know, and, and so, yeah, they, though, you know, the, the, the parents who decide to feed formula, they shouldn't feel like they need to justify if that's the best choice for them, then that's a great option as well. So yeah, it's, um, 
damned if you do damned if you don't absolutely I think that's like the motto of parenting (laughs) yeah exactly absolutely absolutely so when it comes to like the two experiences you've had um with both your children what would you say if anything that you learned from your first experience that you took on into the second yeah I mean I think that just in general I thought it let me like let go of a lot of like um like black and white thinking like at my own expect like the black and white thinking that was keeping me in a bad place mental health wise and physically just that like there there is a middle ground um and so you know just this mantra of just just feed her I mean it took me a while to get there it took me a while to be like okay like there is no such way of you know there's no such thing as like a right way to feed your child you know there there is you know you can do both you there you know you don't have to be so extreme and dig your claws in so you know so much when you're presented with a viewpoint that clashes with your own I think that I found yeah I found a lot of middle ground um I would say a lot a, a sort of middle way of thinking um which helped me with my daughter's experience um that I didn't have um with my son so I think that, that and it was even like more of a, a life lesson in general that like you know for example I, um, you know, I was vegan for a very, very long time before, you know, I had my son and I continued to be vegan for a while, but then it's like COVID, you know, I was in Switzerland and it was COVID and I was pregnant. And like, there was like the one takeout place that was open and I could get food at, like didn't have vegan, you know, food. And I would, and so that, that idea of like, just feed her, or, you know, just, just feed your child. Actually, I was like, you know, just feed yourself, just take care of yourself. Like you don't have to be trapped in this radical, you know, black and white thinking, just nourish yourself. Um, And so I ended up just like, quote unquote, sacrificing my ideals just because I needed to, you know, put food in my body and that's okay. And that's not like me, you know, failing myself. That's just me taking care of myself. So I think that that was, you know, out of all this trauma, I think that the overall lesson was, you know, do the best that you can and just make sure you're taking care of yourself and not making any grave sacrifices in the name of an ideal. Elizabeth, it's been wonderful to have you here today and share what I know is an incredibly hard and personal experience. So thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, just thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much. Of course, yes. And thank you, Amy. I know that I you were the first person on the on social media that ever, you know, it was the first place I ever saw the phrase breastfeeding trauma. And I felt so seen and so validated. So thank you for having these conversations. And I'm really, you know, it's been very cathartic to be a part of. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my goodness, that was just an amazing conversation with Elizabeth and I'm so grateful to have people on this podcast like Elizabeth who are willing to talk about their experiences even though they can sometimes be difficult to rehash and difficult to discuss. So thank you so much Elizabeth for coming on. These conversations are not always easy especially when you've experienced things like breastfeeding and grief and trauma. You know, they are really difficult sometimes to be able to find the words and you know to even feel strong enough to be able to share so thank you so much 
for Elizabeth for coming on. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as usual, you can connect with me online at Life on Pot 44 on Instagram, or you can follow my blog, theslowlivingcollective.com. So until next time, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode.